0: Our first scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Listen for the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you so I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter eight, verses six through 13. Listen for the word of God. Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets made ready to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were hurled to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many died from the water because it was made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light was darkened. A third of the day was kept from shining, and likewise the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying, with a loud voice as it flew in mid-heaven. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, at the blasts of the other trumpet that the three angels are about to blow.
1: To see the seriousness with which you sisters and brothers at Neighborhood Church take Earth Day and what it means. Some of us will remember that the first Earth Day took place in 1970, 46 years ago. That was an extremely important beginning because huge environmental problems were already uh, beginning to become clear then. And yet back then we were still totally ignorant of what we began to hear about only in the late 1980s, and in those days it was called the greenhouse effect. Later, the same phenomenon was started to be called global warming. Now, in 2016, thankfully, thank God, we have the nations of the world, I think it's 150 or so, coming together in the Paris Accord to respond to and meet and resolve the climate crisis. And hopefully this will go way beyond They're signing the paper. The climate crisis, it's the biggest, the greatest crisis, I believe, to come along in the whole history of human beings on planet Earth. It's also the first crisis to involve the whole human race simultaneously. There are different kinds of weather on Earth at any given time, as you know, but there's only one climate because there's only one atmosphere. I remember reading when I was very young in every, that every time you and I take a breath, we are breathing in several hundred atoms which at one point or another in his life, Leonardo da Vinci breathed out. Can you believe it? I mean, why Leonardo? Well, just one example in the kids' book, so also each time we breathe, we breathe in a few atoms that our Lord Jesus breathed out at some point in his life. So mixed together, so unitary is the air which sustains life on earth and therefore Also, the temperature of the air. The atmosphere of our planet is warming. The Arctic ice is melting. The Antarctic ice also. March 2016 was by far the hottest month ever recorded since we started keeping track. Many of us know by now that this is happening because of the emission of carbon and methane into the atmosphere, both of which trap heat which would otherwise burn off into space. And these emissions are happening, of course, because of human industrial development and population growth. I hope and trust that nobody here at Neighborhood Church doubts that this is happening because it's communities like this one which are going to be absolutely crucial in raising consciousness and dealing with this. Sadly, there are still plenty of people who do doubt in the face of overwhelming evidence that we have a climate Crisis, including some of the people, some otherwise very smart people. You know, human capacity for self deception, for ignoring facts which are staring us in the face, is unfortunately almost as great now as it's ever been. But if there is anything that distinguishes the Christian church and the communities of other religious traditions, it surely that we are willing not to fool ourselves, to look at reality, because when we fool ourselves, we lose all ability to serve the God of love who has revealed herself to us. If the Christian church is what it claims to be, will we not take the lead, even at real cost to ourselves, in helping human beings face up to what we're now up against. But something else first. How do you feel, really, how do you feel about coal and oil? Would you say that coal and oil and the ability to extract them and refine them and use them as fuel have been gifts of God to the human race? How could we not say that? I mean, was the Industrial Revolution, the development of modern technology, somehow wrong or evil? Of course not! So if we have never yet in our lives specifically thanked God for carbon-based fuels and for the ingenuity given to us human beings to develop them, Let's make a point of doing that, now, during this Earth Day period. Thank you, thank you, dear God, for coal and oil. And yet, what we're seeing now, what we didn't see 50 years ago, that there's a price an increasingly high price, and now too high a price for our use of coal and oil. This is maybe the greatest case yet in human history of too much of a good thing. You know that the Bible praises wine. I love a glass of wine in the evening, sometimes two. Jesus turned water into wine. But the Bible, you know, does not praise drunkenness or addiction. We're realizing now that we human beings have kind of become so dependent, almost addicted to fossil fuels, and if we can't shake off the addiction, we're going to be in big trouble. All of us, the whole human race, God's making it clear to us, I believe, that with this climate crisis, all human beings all over the planet, all seven billion of us, and growing fast, are in the same boat. We're going to sink or swim together. God, as Christian believers, We take comfort in the fact that God has got the whole world in her hands. To use the contemporary phrase, God's running the show, and God loves us with the infinite power of love that belongs to God, but we also know, don't we? that this doesn't mean that we human beings are excused from our responsibility, our responsibility to God, to one another, and now to all living creatures, our responsibility to the whole profoundly interconnected web of life, to make sure that the climate on which all of us equally depend does not become in support, unable to support our life on Earth. That land doesn't become such that it can't grow crops and trees anymore, and oceans become too acidified to bear the multitude of living beings. You know, other countries, poorer countries than ours, and Syria is a very good example, may be adversely affected by global warming sooner than we are here. But that's no consolation because we're all interconnected. The the age of being able not to care for what happens on the other side of the world or south of the equator, that's over. Have you ever read the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation? In my younger years, I loved Revelation because it spoke to me of the power of God. The testimony of Revelation is that no matter how much we human beings mess things up, God will save us and save everything worth saving and set everything right in the end. We'll create a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, That really helped me deal with the terrifying threat of nuclear war, which some of you will remember we faced in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. That threat has subsided, thank God, at least to some extent. But now we face perhaps an even greater crisis, the climate crisis. And in the text for today from Revelation, we hear about these awful events at the end of the world when the angels of God will sound trumpets which unleash unleash tremendous destruction on the earth, specifically including the natural parts of the earth, the land and the water and the living creatures and the green growing things which feed us and nourish us both physically and spiritually. You know, there are sincere and intelligent spiritual people who hate the book of Revelation and who think it really should not be in the Bible. I don't agree. I know that it's extremely hard to stomach this document, but it's meaningful and providential that it's there. We don't want, as Christians, to be chicken littles running around, you know, shrieking self-importantly about the end of the world. But we do want and we must face up to reality, to things as they are, even when things as they are make us very uncomfortable. Yes, the world will come to an end sometime, when God determines it. But in the meantime, God requires us to do whatever we can following the risen Jesus in the way of the cross to love this world, to love this earth and to do whatever is necessary to give ourselves and earth a beautiful, bright and long future. Has there been any study group here at Neighborhood Church about climate issues yet, you know, taking the best scientific knowledge and putting it together with the Bible and in the context of prayer, I don't think there's anything more important for congregations to take on nowadays. You know, the saying goes, God didn't promise us a rose garden. But God wants us to do everything we can to preserve and care for the roses that we do have. So what, what do we have to do? It's pretty clear, I think, what we have to do. First, we have to start consuming less and living more simply. The age of consumption, based on continual economic growth, and having more and more material things. It's over, folks. Our children and our grandchildren will not have as much materially as we have now. They won't. And the kindest most loving thing that we can do for them and for the planet is to start spending less on everything from gasoline to nice stuff for our homes. Let's go solar with our heating if we haven't already. Let's go electric with our vehicles if we haven't already. Let's reconsider how many Airline trips we're going to be taking. Let's stop eating meat. At least red meat. You know that there are about 10 times as many cows on this planet now as the planet can support. Second greatest emitter of methane gas, among other things. Let's discipline ourselves, above all, not only to smell the roses more often, but to enjoy them in our deepest hearts and minds more deeply than we ever have before. Can we do these things? Of course we can. We can do everything we need to do to save this incredible home planet of ours because the one who strengthens us will make it possible for us to do it through the risen and living Jesus Christ. We human beings, we keep failing to recognize our limits. That's why we we get into so much trouble. But God loves us. God forgives us. God gives us the insight and the will and the strength to do whatever we need to do to be faithful to him and to live truly full human lives ourselves. By the grace of God, humanity will prevail on this planet and that means the whole web of life will prevail. We've got a lot of hard work to do. So let's... Do it. Amen.